1: If you love the Black Mary Dead Free podcast, if you get any joy if we've ever done anything for you, do us a huge favor and go and give us a five-star review on this podcast. Leave us a comment if you like, but that helps our viewership ranking. Peace. What's going on everybody? This is Marcus Black Mary Day Free and uh I'm excited about today's episode because I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I had on a podcast with a real estate legend, really uh, coach Carson, Chad Carson, uh, the coach Carson podcast. Uh, I was able to be on there and share not only my insurance real estate story, but also some of the steps that we took to acquire our four properties that we've acquired so far. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. So sit back, enjoy. And, uh, Get your pen, your paper, and your popcorn ready because it's gonna be a good one. Here we go.
0: Hey, Marcus, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, Chad. I appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, it's great. I've been looking forward to this interview and uh, just paying attention to everything you and your wife got going on with the Black Married and Debt Free podcast and your YouTube channel. Been really impressed with that. So um, I thought it'd be fun, Marcus, if we could, you know, to I want to talk about your real estate investing, what y'all done buying out of town, out of state, rental properties all the way from California to other parts of the country. But I thought it'd be really cool just to start with your personal story, you know, some of your personal finance, because the, you know, right off the bat, if you visit your site, it talks about how you've paid off, you and your wife have paid off a lot of debt and kind of, where did that come about? Like, where did y'all start deciding to start attacking that debt and paying off debt and kind of getting things together?
1: Well, yeah, uh, Chad, me and my wife, we got married fairly young, married at 21. And, uh, you know, we were like, my wife likes to say, we, each had our own debt and then we came together and we we created debt together uh you know some of the debt that your average americans have student loan car you know car loan uh and then we ended up buying a home together and so you know that just accumulated over time and and for me you know no one in my family ever you know was was you know extremely financially savvy or anything like that it was just you work hard you pay your bills and kind of that was the Philosophy that I brought into the marriage. Hey, we're making all of our minimum payments. Uh, we have a car. We have a roof over our head. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm winning here. Yeah. But uh, you know, after having our son, uh, I was kind of burning the the candle on both ends. I was working two full time jobs, and uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. And you know, my philosophy was always, I'll just get another job. I'll just get something else to help you know pay the bills. And it was at this point when I realized we have more month than we have money. My wife couldn't work. And so I was, you know, at a crossroads where we were in, we live in Northern California, very, you know, expensive state. Uh, And but we were making $1,300 a month household, and that was just not enough to pay for our lifestyle. And so it was then when I had to kind of put down that, uh, that ego, that male ego, you know, if I can do it. I can work my way out of it. And I par- partnered with my wife and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is where we're at. Uh, Could we put our heads together and figure out a way to climb ourselves out of this hole? Mm-hmm. So that looked like me getting uh, additional, uh, a better high paying uh, job. It looked like her shortly after uh, maternity leave, getting back into the workforce. And so we quickly ourselves in a better position. We were earning more money, but then we said, okay, we don't want to get, we don't want to be here again. And so we begin in 27, uh, 2015 to start the debt payoff process where we were going to pay off all of our debt. And in 2017, we were actually able to do that. We paid off, uh, $110,000 of debt, not including the interest. And that was kind of the beginning of our wealth building, uh, journey, which we were using real estate now to do that. So
0: uh, yeah. A couple of things I wanted to ask about there. Like w- one was just the psychology of, of, you know, there's this, this mentality. A lot of us have like, if you work hard, you go do a job, you take care of things like in a lot of ways that is better than average on, for a lot of people. Right. I mean, that's yeah, you, what, what you were doing was like, not, not un, unlike a lot of what a lot of us do. But so I, so I guess it was, you know, having the family Realizing that, hey, this thing's getting. Eventually, this thing is going to get too much for me. That you did you did you have like one moment, or was it just kind of creeping up on you? Or like, what what was the kind of thought? Was it, was it just that stress of just knowing it was out there?
1: Yeah, Chad, it was just that that slow building stress, and, and it's like it's like the 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 idea of when your car is, it's, it's needs maintenance and you're hearing something, and you just turn the radio up, you know, you don't want to hear it, you know. So that was me. It was a slow kind of build up. Until I was like, okay, I need to I need to, this thing needs to be confronted head on. Yeah. And, you know, that that's kind of how it was for me. And like how you said, like, you know, my family, it was always work hard. And, and the, the the deepest financial literacy we got was save money. It was never invest. It was never anything like that. So all this was foreign to me at the time and, and same with my wife. And so we had to kind of develop that muscle outside of, you know, our upbringing. You know, learning about investing and and making your money work for you.
0: Were there any any mentors or books or anything you that kind of gave you some of that financial literacy that you you wanted right off the bat? Oh yeah,
1: man. Uh, while we were going through our debt payoff process, we were kind of tapping into some of the financial gurus. Uh, one book that my wife and I'm sure a lot of probably your guests have have talked about, Rich Dad Poor Dad. That yeah. was kind of the first one that. It's like, whoa, this is, is like enlightens you, you know, it's not so much strategy, but more mindset. You know, uh, we, we, we started reading uh, uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. That was another eye opener. So it was just kind of slowly learning like, man, this is a whole new world that we never really knew existed. And it, it, it really got our mindset ready for, you know, the wealth building side of it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm always amazed, whether it's entrepreneurship or personal finance, like how much this mechanical part is paying your debt off, but then how much compounding goes on in your head, like just how much learning goes on. And, you know, you're simultaneously like getting better yourself and you're growing. And I mean, that's a a good feeling. I I, I just think that's that's a fun part of the process, too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, you know, Uh, just the learning. And it's like a whole new beginning for you, you know, so that that was that was definitely uh, our story for sure.
0: Cool. Well, let's talk about the mechanics. So, like, I mean, there, there's going to be people have – there's lots of debt out there, and people are trying – whether it's your real estate debt or whether it's, you know, your you, you guys paid off your house in addition to student debt and other stuff. So, what are some of the mechanics of just getting out of that hole? Like, was it – you you mentioned getting a, you know, higher-paying job. Was there anything else you all did just kind of that helped you get some traction at that stage?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's funny because when we were paying off the our, our debt – we didn't really know what we were doing. We were kind of freestyling it, you know? And then it was later on when we were able to do it, we went back and said, well, man, what did we do? You know, could we could we put that into bite-sized pieces? So we, we've been able to do that. The first thing we did was we took inventory, financial inventory, right? We said, let's go back and look at what we're spending money on. Let's see what's going out and what's coming in. And a lot of times when people do that, that that's that's really all you need, you know, to say, oh, wow, I'm spending this much on you know, coffee, or I'm spending this much on this uh, entertainment piece. Wow, I can really cut that back. And then you, when you do that, you realize we actually have more wiggle room than I thought. You don't have that much further to go, you know, on the on the the income increase side. So that was the first thing we did. Then we said, okay, how could we we, we see where we can cut back? Now let's see where we can increase our money. And that's when it came uh, time for me to seek other employment and for my wife to get back into the workforce. So doing those two things really helps you tremendously. Then when it comes to paying off the debt, we we uh, researched a few strategies, uh, one of which is when you may take the highest interest, uh, you know, debt and pay that down first. Or there's another strategy where you pay off the smallest debt and kind of snowball, it's called snowball. And so we thought that would be best for us because we were able to celebrate those little milestones. We were really big on, you know, celebrating goals and checking all right we're done with that one and so that's a quick way to get that dopamine hit yeah. uh, okay i paid off this 500 credit card Ooh, i could do this yeah and then we just kind of snowballed it up so that was that was pretty much uh our strategy of paying off the debt
0: yeah i, I like how you mentioned the different there's different approaches you know paying off the highest interest if, you, if you're like the spreadsheet nerd you know like all right that's the way that's going to save you the most money but like i'm with you like psychology is so big and investing and paying off debt like getting that win, especially when it's like, you know, you, you know, you're working with a partner or a couple, you know, it's like, man, that being able to like confirm that this thing works a little bit and you're making progress, almost like you're climbing a mountain and you got to like, all right, let's take a little rest here. Let's celebrate. Let's let's enjoy the process. So, yeah. All right. So y'all, so you, you kind of got awareness, you know how, what you're, what's going out. You start increasing income, you know, your wife goes back to work. I remember reading on your on your or in your podcast. Y'all talk a lot about side hustles. Did you can you talk a little bit about that? Just maybe if somebody has a limit on what they're making at their job, maybe are there other ways to kind of expand that income without just just making more money at the at the first job you're, you're at?
1: For sure, uh, Chad. You know, I, I used to be embarrassed about this, man. But the further I get along in in like the I guess the influencer space and just share my story, I, I wear this, man. I'm a high school graduate. I'm not a college graduate, so. For me, I've always been a serial hustler. Like, that's always been easy for me. And so that really helped during this process. And uh, side hustles was a thing that I took too easily. Uh, I'm a a musician, a self-taught musician. I grew up playing in church. And so I was able to take just that skill and create different revenue streams, you know, selling music online, uh, playing for different plays in my city and different uh, events and gigs in my city, and and all those, you know, the money that I was able to generate doing those things, I would, we would throw that at the debt, uh, you know, just finding unique ways to use whatever, gifts, whatever talent you have to create revenue, you know, podcasting, we started doing that, and, uh, you know, YouTube and different things like that was, you know, able to generate money so we could have more money to throw at our debt. And so, uh, yeah, I'm big on side hustles. Uh, You know, not everyone could just be a high income earner, you know. Uh, We're we're decent, solid earners. But uh, with with me in particular, you know, high school diploma, there's kind of a cap, right? So that's when the, you know, side hustles really came in uh, for, for myself and it helped tremendously.
0: Love it. Yeah, and side hustles to me. I, be, once you become an entrepreneur and side hustle is just starting your own business, it's kind of like a. It's almost like you get addicted to it, right? I don't know. That's just yeah. my my experience. You you make you make a little bit of money. You're like, all right, I just made two hundred bucks on the side gig doing this thing for you know a few hours, and then you're like, all right, what else can I do? Your you create your creativity starts just running. I mean, there's so many opportunities when you start studying people like you who've done that side hustles and other people talk about that. I mean, there's just so many ways and some of them are small money but some of them can grow into like your podcasting gig i do a podcast too i mean that can start small and then if you want to go if you want to scale with it and go big with it i mean it's got it's got potential right
1: absolutely and it's like like you said a lot of times a side hustle will spawn into a full-fledged business and then you're like wow i'm really i'm able to do this full time you know so uh yeah it, it, it starts to grow so that's that's a great point
0: All right. So setting the stage here, you've kind of got this awareness, the stress early on, you start getting aware of what's going out. You start getting some more money coming in and you start paying off debt. So you you got this thing rolling. One thing I'm curious about, this is one of those debates online, you know, paying off credit card debt, paying off your student debt that I think a lot of people get, get around that, but then you know, paying off your home is like an emotional topic, right? People are like, no, you can't do that. That doesn't make sense. I'll, I'll tell everybody, my wife and I paid our home off too. And it, it felt really good for us to do it. I'm glad we did it. But I'm I'm curious for you, like y- y- y'all took the interesting approach that you you start paying your home off first, and then you got into real estate investing and start investing in other stuff. So I'm just curious, what did, what kind of conversation did, did y'all have about that? Why was that your decision to do that first?
1: Well, here's the thing, Chad. So we bought our home. It's a three-bedroom, three-bath condo in uh, Northern California. We got it in 2009, for eighty-six thousand dollars. Yep. So we saw that, and at this point, it's 2015, 2016, and the house is worth, you know, you know, a little over two hundred thousand. And so we're looking at this. We're like, why would we not? We we know we got this smash deal during the recession. Uh, we know the economy has turned around, and now things are going up. We thought, why would we not? take advantage of this like pay this thing off you know and so we just we said there's no way we're gonna we're gonna you know pay this for 30 years let's go ahead and knock this thing out and so that was a big uh reason for us wanting to pay off our home because it was just we got we had got such a good deal and we wanted to take advantage of it and so that's what we did we were able to just kind of keep trucking along like you said we paid off one thing and you get that student loan paid off you know for thirty you you're like wow we could just keep going and the momentum had begin to to move so so quickly that we just went at the house and attacked that too but yeah like you said it's highly debated you know should you pay off your home you know should you not but for us we just saw it as a great opportunity and then we'll get into later how we use that to, to spawn our uh, real estate endeavors
0: yeah. I mean, let, let's go there because I, I think, you know, pe- people have to make their own decision about the house. And y'all, you you had the situation where obviously the house has gone up a lot in value. You've, you know, relatively your debt was, you know, less than half of what the house is worth. So you know, I, I can, I can get, I, that makes a lot of sense to me that the cool thing y'all did, and this is, I want to dig into this because, you know, when people are starting real estate, one of the, or any business really, but real estate in particular, getting that cash for your first deal is always tricky right you know how do you get that money for the down payment and so the approach y'all took was you got this you got this condo you paid it off it's worth over two let let's go get a home equity line of credit some people call that a heloc and use that so maybe kind of walk me through like when did you realize that was a thing something you could do to try to and did you initially think that was going to help you start in real estate or did y'all just go ahead and get the heloc just just because
1: yeah so during our debt payoff process my my thinking was we're going to pay off this debt. We're going to have all this uh, available money now to invest. And we, we didn't really, we weren't heavy investors during the payoff process because we really wanted to attack it. And so I knew we had some ground to make up. So my mentality was we're going to go all, you know, index funds, ETFs, and we're just going to do that. And my wife started checking out bigger pockets and some other uh, platforms, you know, and it started saying, Hey, there's people that are, you know, using, Real estate to to speed up their retirement and to invest, and I was like, hmm. I, I didn't. Re- I wasn't a huge fan at first. I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you, Chad, because that hustler mentality again. I'm looking at some of the some of the cash flow numbers. Um, you know, mortgaging a property and then renting it out, and I'm like, okay, two three hundred dollars. You know, that's that's looked upon as a good, you know, <laughs> solid deal. I was like, I can make that doing X Y Z. Then my wife said, but, but Marcus, this that's passive. And then that's when that started. It's like, hmm. And so we knew this is something we wanted to do. Even when we were paying off our debt, we started doing research and we knew, okay, we're going to go do real estate. And so when we thought about how we're going to come up with the money for the first buy and hold, which was going to be our strategy, we said, wow, we're going to have all this equity in this California home. But what, what about tapping into some of that? So then that's when we began researching, you know, cash out refi or home equity line of credit and the home equity line of credit just fit our personality. Because you're opening a line of credit uh, that uses your home as leverage and you can get as much out as you need, you know, and then put it back and, 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 you know, or, or take it all out and do this. So it was just, it seemed like you, your, your home was now the bank. And I said, you know what, I kind of like how that feels. And so we knew we wanted to buy and hold, but we knew our area probably the returns wouldn't be good. So let's look out of state, you know, where, where the returns are a bit better and we could buy a home cash and come to the, to the, the, uh, the table with more, you know, bargaining power because, Hey, we, we, we were is a cash offer, you know, we close, close a little quicker. And so we thought, you know, that, that felt good. And so that's why we decided to go that route.
0: So, so I want to go, I want to go into the real estate stuff, but I want to go back to this idea of paying your home off. To me, it's one of the, it's, it's a, if you if you're still in the growth phase, like you know a lot of people are, like that's it's a good compromise, right? Like you get your home paid off, but you have this line of credit that you you may not use, and you can just sit there and not use it if you don't find a good deal. But that you you're you're you put all that money, like you said, into a bank. You're like it's the, the bank is your property. You pay that debt off, and then you yeah. get the home equity line of credit, which means you can access all that money you just paid the house off with, or more. And, yeah. then, and then, but now it's, it, you know, you're leveraging, there's some risks there and there's some things that can go wrong, which I know y'all probably looked at as well. But it's like that, that, that gives you that tool, especially on those first deal or two where you got, you got, how are you going to use that money? And that home equity is a kind of an untapped source. It's, it's just sitting there, not being used yeah. unless you use a tool like this, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, Chad. And the, and the thing of it is, it's like, I'm sure there's a more eloquent way to, to, to phrase this, but to me, it was like, magic it was like this home just gained money i mean like you said we didn't even we, we bought the house for eighty six thousand. 000 it was worth about 230 at this time and we got a line of credit for uh, 125 well that 125 had nothing to do with me you know the market just get just created that for me and so i looked at it like like wow you know this is just this is like a miracle you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and i know there's a, probably a better way to phrase that but that's how i looked at it at the time you know like hey I'm
0: gonna take advantage of this. Yeah, I mean, when it, it, really, any real estate you own. I mean, y'all, y'all timed it well. Like, what, you know, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. I had some that I got lucky on. I had some that I timed it wrong. You know, I bought in 2007, and then, then they went yeah. down right after. So, but like, you got it. You took advantage of of the the thing that 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 you did, and and so so you you got this money available. You know, you you're interested in real estate. Like talk to me. So you, you started looking out out of state because you're in Northern California. We all know kind of prices, even you know Sacramento, San Francisco. Like pr- prices are pretty high. So even 125 grand, maybe that gets you a down payment somewhere. But the cat, you know, you're you're your side hustler, you want to look for that cash flow, and that, that really is not there in, in California. So how did how did y'all start looking around the country? Where did you decide to start uh, looking for a market to to buy your rental?
1: Man, it's really funny because uh, when we tell the story, it was like. We referenced the, the movie Coming to America when uh, he, you know, was trying to figure out where he wanted to go. He just spun the globe and pointed. That's kind of how we did it, man. It was just like, what about this? What about this? So we, we knew the South would be, you know, uh, uh, have better return on investment for us. So we looked at Georgia and then we looked at, I had a friend that lived in Tennessee. We looked there and we would just run the numbers, man. We would just kind of do the, use a 1% rule as a, uh, as a, uh, you know, point of reference, you know, to see would this be a good area? Would that be a good area? Um, if, if we buy a house for a hundred thousand, you know, can we get a, you know, a thousand dollars rent there? You know, I kind of use that as like a rough uh, blueprint. And I had a friend that was moving from Tennessee, where I was looking there. And he said, no, I'm moving. I'm moving to Charlotte. So I said, Charlotte, okay. Let, let me see what's, what's going on there. Because just having someone there put me a little bit at ease, like, hey, he, if I needed him to go look at the house or whatever. And so I started looking in Charlotte. I was like, Charlotte's good, but this is around 2018. And Charlotte had just really kicked up, you know, and, and, and the prices were a little out of our range. And so I said, well, what's, what's near Charlotte? And we looked at Greensboro and I said, Greensboro, huh? The, 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 the return on investment was a lot better there. And so we just said, yo, let's just do Greensboro. Let's, let's just try it. And so started cold calling real estate agents and, and doing that whole thing. And, uh, what I realized is that if you get a good, you need, you need, I call it your core four financing. We already had that. You need a, a good agent. If you're gonna do out of state, you need good, you're gonna need property management. If you're gonna go that route, and you're gonna need a contractor. If you find one superstar out of that bunch, you know they'll have access to those other ones. And so I was like, cool. We found an agent that was really good, and he seemed to have built relationships with I know a good property manager. Uh, that property manager knows a contractor. So we felt at peace, and uh, you know, connecting with that real estate agent, he was able to do everything virtual virtual walkthroughs and you know we felt like we were there and we felt like we had a good investment so we just pulled the trigger
0: nice i lots of smart stuff there i want to i want to highlight but the 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 part about spinning the globe and just like you know looking at a spot like you know some people kind of laugh at that but you know it's it's true like you know when i'm helping people try to figure an out-of-state market a lot of times i'm like well where are you from like do you you have a city you used to go to or did you go to school Mm -hmm. somewhere do you have family somewhere if you don't though i mean it really is it's just like all right Here's this region of the country has better price to rent ratios for investors, usually the Southeast or the Midwest. Yeah. And then, you know, you just look for, you know, North Carolina in general is a good economic state that you can re- just read a few reports online showing that, you know, the population's moving there, jobs are pretty good there. And then, you know, but then you, you you were using smart math too. You were looking at the numbers and kind of say, all right, what if this, what if that? So it's just a combination of spinning the globe to start, but then yeah. you looked at the geography, you looked at the demographics, and then you looked at the numbers but then I, I want to go to your team stuff, because that was going to be my next question. Okay. You know, that, co- that core four, that financing, you said real estate agent, property manager, and then contractor. Yeah. So you, you got to have all four of those. All Everybody who gets into real estate knows that. But what sounds like really smart that you did, you start with one. like Find one dream team member who you really like, and then they're going to know and connect you with the, everybody else. They got the contractor. They got the... Closing attorney probably got the good find because a real estate agent doesn't want to send you to a mortgage broker who doesn't close loans, right? They they only want somebody who's going to be, you know, a good a good refi person. So that is that. So that you started with that agent, and how long did that process take from the time you like cold call this person to the time you're actually looking at properties and making offers?
1: Well, you know what, Chad? Uh, At first, I had no idea how to go about. it. I just thought I need an agent first, right? That that was my thinking, and so. Start cold calling ages and the thing the thing that I, I found was like when you're coming from California and you're trying to invest in, in some of these smaller southern states uh, I had to kiss a few you know frogs before I found the princess because you know, a lot of people didn't take me serious you know do you you know uh, do, you, do you know what you're doing you know it was a lot of that kind of pushback and so I went through a few ages there was one lady I was like hey Telling my wife, we just need this lady to, I just need an agent. I just need boots on the ground. And my wife was like, I don't know, some bad vibe about her. So we ended up going with somebody else. So the gentleman we ended up landing on, it was at a it was on a house that I saw on Zillow that I thought, this this house is perfect. And I just called the real estate agent on the Zillow, you know? And then this gentleman. He he knew things that I I didn't know I needed to know at the time. Now in retrospect I know you need to your core four, but at the time I was just starting with the piece I thought I should start with. Oh. So he had access to the property manager, to multiple property managers, and so I was able to kind of vet each one and okay this one's better. And then this property manager knew had their own general contractor. You know if you find a house that needs work we can do that for you. We can oversee that for you. I'm like, wow okay, and and like you said. The real estate agent also had a, a closing attorney that they worked closely with. I learned it's better to go with their person than yeah. come with your own a lot of times. A lot of times it streamlines things. So it was something that I learned uh, by just really lucking up and calling a, a superstar agent. You know, he was able to to help me with the other things and then going forward, I knew that's what I need to look for, you know. So
0: So in terms of screening who you use, you kind of recognize this person has some knowledge that you didn't have. And, you know, your wife kind of recognizes somebody else. There's just a bad gut feeling, which I always talk to my wife about all of our team members as well. She usually sees things that I don't see. And maybe other people have that same experience. Um, But was there anything else that you like were there any other questions you asked was there anything else like did you ask for references or was it just like all right i got this guy feels pretty good he knows his stuff like i'm just curious just for other people who are trying to build their team are there other things you've either learned then or since then that you should be asking or looking for with your team members out of out of state particularly oh yeah yeah
1: as far as uh agent one thing i learned is uh you want someone who's who's hungry right and you want someone who treats you like you're their main uh you know person they're working with at the time. Now we know agents, a lot of times, man, these agents, they're notaries on the side. They got this on the side and like agents is just part of what they do.
0: They side hustle to, just like all of us, right? <laughs> exactly.
1: But, but you want to, you want them to make you feel like, man, they, like I'm their number one right now, you know? And uh, I think that's key because I've dealt with agents where you feel like, man, you're just one more thing that they have to do. And you don't want that. You want someone who's going to be able to communicate effectively you know via all mediums email text call you want someone who's just available uh for any questions you may have and uh so that's with the with the agent side someone who's hungry and with your property management it's the same thing you want someone who's there to answer questions someone who can uh you know has a good track record of fixing tenant issues you want someone who's going to take care of your tenant because you don't You don't want to be switching tenants, you know, and so those, these are things that I've learned, you know, throughout the the past few years uh, that are key, you know, so uh, you definitely want to make sure you're vetting them and and think of your real estate like a business, you know, you're hiring these people, these people work for you. And so just like you can hire them, if they're not doing well, you can fire them. And and, and so don't think like I have to take whatever they give because you want to be sure that you're providing quality to your tenants
0: especially when you're new like i I totally get what you were talking about when you first start like you don't even sometimes you don't even know the questions to ask and some people don't treat you with respect like hey you're a new investor but you know, at the same time, like you had $125,000, like it's, it's their loss. If they, if they, yeah. e- even if you're new, if that person doesn't give you attention and it might just be, they're busy. It might be they have other things going on. You don't know, but like, I, I think it's pretty common that as a new investor, getting that, getting that relationship on that first one, isn't always easy. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you got to pretend before you get there, right? You got to like, yeah. but that's where knowledge comes in. Y'all study bigger pockets. You're reading books. You're reading Napoleon Hill. You're, you're improving yourself. So that first, you got to kind of know your stuff before you even do it. Sometimes by yeah. studying it, watching YouTube, listening to podcasts, and, and yeah. doing it that way.
1: Very true, very true. And one thing I learned, Chad, along with that, is like you just learn as you go, you know. And when it came to the next, you know, second, third, fourth deal, you you're you're you've learned so much, you know, that 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 you didn't know on the first one. So you're you're totally right about that.
0: Well, let's talk about that first one. I always like to get into details if you don't mind, it's kind of some of the numbers. Like, what, tell me about the property in Greensboro. What did it, you know? What type, type of property was it? And maybe just some of the basic numbers that y'all found.
1: Okay, so we were looking for like a C plus B minus neighborhood. Uh, we were looking in the hundred thousand dollar range and we were looking for a single family, three bed, two baths. We just want to keep it real simple, you know, uh, on the, for the first deal something that we knew with cash flow. So in this area and for this type of home, you know, $100,000 home, we we saw we could collect a $1,000, maybe $1,100 rent. And the re- a good thing I like to tell people a way to determine your rent because sometimes that's hard to do. You can you have some of these rent, you know, uh estimate sites, but we like to look at the fair market housing for that area. So uh there, you know, Section 8 uh, has a kind of estimate of you know three bed, three baths for each area of the country, then you could go on some of these government sites and see, okay, this area, this type of home can get usually can bring in around this much rent. So we like to use that as a barometer. And so this type of home could bring in a you know one thousand to eleven $1, hundred dollars. So we said that'll be good. You know, that'll be a good start for us number wise. And so uh we wanted to find a home that was Move in ready. We didn't want to do anything to it because we're newbies. This is 3,000 miles away. And so we said, hey, we do, you know, the number wise, this might not, as long as it comes out, we're cash blowing. Let's go ahead and pull the trigger because we want to get our feet wet in this thing. And so that was our mindset. Uh, So we were able to, uh, this house was asking for 110, and we offered 103, and they accepted it. And, uh, you know, we, we closed in 14 days. And we went down there and I'm thinking we're going to sign all these papers. Like, you know, we did when we bought our primary residence, but little did I know we buy a house cash.
0: Hey, totally, totally different, know, man. Totally different.
1: Two papers. And, <laughs> in and out. It's
0: kind of, I mean, it's good, but it's also kind of a little scary too. When you're first, you're like, wait, wait a minute. Like, you know, right. They just gave me this house after two minutes. Like, what, what is this? <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh yeah. Nice. It worked out well for us. Um, we immediately, you know, after per- getting the keys, we, we took a look at the house. All oh, right, man, this is it. This is it. And then left there went and uh, met, connected with our property manager, gave her the keys, and they listed the property uh, soon after because, like I said, it was moving ready. So that that was a big bonus for us. We were able to get it listed quick, get a tenant in there quick, and the rest was history.
0: Nice. I, I want to go back to, there's a place that a lot of people stumble on, especially on the first one, where that the point between when you evaluate the deal and you say, all right, there's a deal here. I'm going to make an offer on this. And the time you actually close on it, you know, that period where you, 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 did you have anybody help you look at it? Cause you're long distance. You're like doing this thing without even looking at it. Like, how, how did you get the confidence to know it is turnkey and there's not something hidden behind the scenes that I'm not seeing? Like, did you have anybody help you look at it at that point?
1: You know, Chad, we we were going solely on the word of our of our agent. Now, our agent would do walkthrough, virtual walkthroughs. They would record video to to get even better quality footage. They would send us the video, so we trusted his word. And the thing that I liked about our agent is he would tell me when things weren't good, and I thought, man, he doesn't even really have to do that because I didn't see that. You know, there was one property we looked at, and there was a train. It was a wonderful property, but there was an active train track that went behind him and we, we would have never known known that you know and he said hey guys there's an active train track here i don't know if this would be a good deal you know so i'm like man so i trusted him you know i felt i felt good about about him so i went solely on that i didn't really have boots on the ground or anything anyone to vet or double check his work which may be a little naive but for us i trusted uh his word and, and he was really thorough so that that helped ease uh some of the some of the stress
0: with us. yeah yeah, good. Going back, I mean, going back to that relationship, this is a team business. And ultimately, you got to trust somebody. I mean, you can't, especially when you're long distance, you can't do it all yourself. So, this is your, this is your guy. You trust him. He's, he's demonstrated that he's trustworthy and in the, in the, in other experiences with on deals you didn't do. Yeah. And so, you pull the trigger. Um, on any deal since then, have you ever done a, like a physical like property inspection, paid a third party to do that or anything like that as well?
1: Thank you, Chad. I, t- I totally forgot about that. We did have a property inspector. Uh, so we had a due diligence period where we had a property inspector come in and check out things too. so that put us at ease too. We've done that with every property uh, we've we've purchased. Uh, thank you for reminding me of that. so that helps you know to to you know confirm what your agent is seeing and telling you because a lot of times your agent they 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 can't really get into the weeds of things they can't go into the crawl space and into the attic and see what's what's there. So I do recommend use that due diligence period to get an inspector in there and you know it's fairly uh inexpensive man it, but it's yeah. it pays in dividends you know uh you know if it's a good deal or if it's hey now nah, we need to go back to the, to the to the table and say hey just lower that price you know it, it just helps so much to see really what the house needs and and how, it, how everything is
0: no doubt i agree 100 percent. i mean i've at this point bought hundreds of properties and I still hire a third party inspector to go look at it. I mean, I've crawled around crawl spaces. I can make a pretty good punch list, but man, it's, it's almost like an insurance policy. It's not, the more information you can get when you're buying a property, this is a big investment, right? I mean, there's no reason not to have spent 300 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever the cost is. And they give you, you know, they give you a nice list. They get pictures of everything. And it's, you know, they're just going to give you red flags. And you know, the way, like what I like the way you describe this, Marcus, is like your real estate agent, if they're a good real estate agent, they, they should be able to tell you about the neighborhood, about anything that's going to affect the marketability of the property. They should be able to tell you cosmetically, like, ooh, that, you know, that kitchen's nasty. You know, like, we got to change this thing. You know, your tenants aren't going to like that. Or this carpet's horrible. Like, they'll tell you the cosmetic stuff and the market stuff. And then the physical inspector is going to go under there and say, right, you got termite damage and all these sills under this house, you know, like that's going to cost, you know, 10,000 bucks to fix that. So like the, between those two, that's a pretty good one to, you know, right. due diligence period.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. And like you said, you know, it's just those little things that you won't be able to see. I remember on the first house there were, there was no gutter uh, on a portion of the house and my agent brought it to my attention. And then the uh, inspector confirmed, yeah, you might want to get a gutter here because you'll see water damage, you know, that, that, that will be done, you know, over time. And I was like, okay, well, good. And we were able to, you know, get with the contractor and get that put on the house uh, at the cost, you you know, at the seller's cost. So little things like that, man, you know, is, 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 is really key. Nice.
0: Cool. So you got this deal, it's under your belt, you've closed on it, you turned the key over to the property manager. How long did it take from the time y'all bought it, this turnkey. So was it was it rented pretty quickly? Did it take a while? Like, What was that process like?
1: Yeah, man, this one rented, rented pretty quickly. It was about two to three weeks. Uh, and so I like to say like the first deal went so smooth that it made me, you know, it made us excited and put my wife at ease about doing this again and again. Uh, had it been like one of those horror stories, you know, I don't know, you know, but we wanted to set ourselves up to where, you know, turnkey, good neighborhood, you know, we thought that this would rent quickly, and it did. So we we actually kind of lucked up on that one. You know, sometimes you may sacrifice a little ROI return on investment when you're trying to really set it up and, and have a as, as as least hiccups as possible. You may sacrifice some of that return, but we thought it was it was a good idea for the first yeah, time.
0: No doubt about it. All right, so you you got some some cash flow coming in because y'all still ha- you have this line of credit on your house. So I assume like you know thirty days later you, ha- you have to pay interest on that hundred thousand bucks you put into it. Like yes. what, what did y'all do from the cash standpoint, financing standpoint? I'm assuming you you know maybe the refinance or did something with that money so you could use it again. But tell me tell me how that process worked.
1: Yeah, it's real interesting, Chad. We we really were like, okay, so what's next for us? So what we did for the next year, I would say. No, I'm sorry, not, not even the next year. We did this for about the next six to eight months. We were just taking the cash flow and the mortgage, uh, or, or the cash flow from the rent, and we would pay it. You know, the mortgage and put the extra, the extra cash flow also on the on the mortgage to like pay it down. We were just kind of paying it down, paying it down, and luckily we we got a loan for one twenty five. We only spent uh, about one hundred three, one hundred four, and so we had like twenty to play with. And so our thought was, let's just get another one. Let's, 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 let's get another one, but this time let's use the, you know, 20K or so on, to get a conventional loan. So at this point, we were just about acquisition. We weren't really trying to like pay the HELOC down all the way. We just wanted to, you know, do acquisitions and get another one. Looking back and we're doing more research, we may have just used that uh, initial uh, disbursement not to, p- to buy a whole house. But to down, you know, do a down payment on conventional loan, maybe we could have did that, you know, took that hundred thousand and got five, you know, homes, but we were still green. So, uh, for the second house, we decided we're just going to use the 20 K that's left on our home equity line credit and and get a conventional loan. And so that was what we did for our second home.
0: Nice. Was that also in Greensboro? So did you use the same team you already had in place to go find the next one?
1: Yeah. Same team. Uh, same team, same type of home, same, you know, all the numbers were almost identical. Uh, now, the one thing that was different was this home was a three-bed, one-bath, which it, it, it took, a, took a month or so to rent out because, you know, your average family, you know, with two kids or so or a kid, you know, is going to want two bathrooms. So that's that's something that we, we, we learned, you know, kind of bang, butting our head against the wall there. So it took a little longer, but it it still cash flowed and and, and it was a very similar transaction to the first one, except that we did a conventional loan.
0: So that's impressive. I mean, just, I'm just thinking back from the time you started when you had that stressful moment, you're paying debt off, you get the debt paid off, you get the HELOC, you go across the country, 3,000 miles, you buy two properties. I mean, so what what were the conversations like between you and your wife at that point? Was it like... This, that's enough this is i mean because y'all that's at that, that point you started 2015 or forget what it was maybe even 2009 when you were starting to pay stuff off but now here you are 2016 or whatever it is so i mean are, are you wanting more or you want to do more or are you all kind of like what what, were, what was your conversation like at that point
1: yeah at that point chat i'm all in you know i'm yeah. like hey let's do this uh i see it, it, it works you know i'm like let's do this and and one thing and chad you know i love to pick your brain more off air, but <laughs> sure. One thing that, uh, I, I found out quickly is like one or two properties that that's, that's great. But when you start to scale, that's when you start to see that, that, you know, you need to scale this thing. And so I'm thinking, man, we got it. Let's just keep this thing going, you know? And so, uh, that was my mentality. My wife is a, a little, uh, she's a, more of a security seeker, you know? So she's like, Okay. Let's, 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 let's maybe one or two a year. I'm like, man, let's figure out a way to do you know, this to keep this thing going. So we had to kind of find a happy medium. So we took a, uh, we were really excited, you know, at that point, but we took a couple of years off and just started stacking and saving and stacking and saving. We sold our primary residence, purchased a new forever home that we, you know, okay. We have two kids now. So we purchased a, 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 a home, another primary residence, but what that did was that transaction paid off the line of credit, which in turn made our first investment we owned it free and clear and what we realized is that Greensboro prices have shot up, so fast forward to 2020 uh, we're priced out of Greensboro now, you know it's, it's good and bad, good because now those homes have gained equity, one is paid off, so we're like ready to get back into the the real estate investment game. And now we have to look for, we were like looking at another place in the South, you know? So that's kind of where we were uh, to start uh, 20 into 2020 and start
0: 2021. Nice. Yeah. I love that conversation. You had the security versus the, you know, let's go do this thing. My wife and I've had similar conversations and, I'm glad she's won on some of these like paying our house off for example we had a 3% loan and she's like no nah, wouldn't it be great to just not have a payment and not have to worry about that and I'm like "Ah, oh, but 3% we could make at least 6-7% anywhere easy you know and right. I was trying to run the math on it and she's like no nah, but you know, wouldn't that be nice and Finally, she won out on that one. I'm I'm glad, but it, yeah. it is. It's, I, I find it really good whether you have a spouse or whether you have a business partner. Like I just think that tug of war back and forth is healthy. You know that's a that's a good. It's kept me honest. I hope you know. I think we we both kind of have that dynamic where we each kind of learn from each other. So yeah. I just I think it sounds like that's the kind of dynamic you had too all along. I mean, whether whether it's the debt payoff or the invest in real estate, that 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 communication with you and your your spouse is really a big deal.
1: It's big, and that's like really what our whole, and that's a big part of what our, uh, what our foundation is, you know, um, yin and yang, you know, sometimes this person wants to do this and you, you always need that yang to kind of balance each other out. And me and my wife, we found a good synergy on, you know, balancing each other out. It's it's really helped us, you know, in this wealth pursuit for sure.
0: So one more question about that. Like, so I I get this question sometimes from people and I don't always have a good answer. So feel free to put on this one, but it's like, you get some people who say like they're all in on this real estate thing. They kind of like, you know, we we're talking about you're excited. You're ready to go. They're like, but How do you get your spouse on board to do this with me? And they got, got this reluctant spouse for whatever reason. There's probably details behind the scene. Like, do you ever do you ever run into that? Do you got any thoughts for people who are kind of in that stage where they're one person's kind of gung-ho ready to go. The other person's reluctant to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we get that a lot, man, uh, on our platform, that question. And what we always like to tell people is, you know, be, cons- be consistent on your own Be consistent in your conversations uh, You know, if you bring it to your spouse Hey, I, I really want to do this uh, You know, this is my idea And they're, like, not really interested in hearing that Maybe circle back later at a better time, you know And that shows that you're serious A lot of times, you bring up something Your wife or your spouse is like No, nah, I don't think this guy did the Then you just forget about it Like, were you well, you wasn't serious about it anyway You know, I see that a lot uh, also, finding your par- speaking your partner's language, I think, is key too. So, like I said, my wife's a security seeker. Just me finding that out and figuring that out, I'm able to approach her differently with ideas because I know she wants to. S- I have to lay it out for her. You know, if you don't know your partner's language, uh, money mindset, it's kind of hard to to come up with ideas. You may see more friction. Whereas, if you know, okay, they like this. Okay, let me let me write out a spreadsheet for her on this. In my head, it makes sense just being in my mind, but for my partner, they need to see it on paper. So it's just different things like that that, I, that has helped, you know,
0: us. Yeah, it requires listening. I mean, imagine that in a relationship, right? You gotta you, before you get before you get your agenda across, you gotta listen to the other person and say, Hey, what what are they trying to accomplish here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> All right. So so I I want to fast forward a little bit. So y'all you've got these two properties, you took some time off you're saving, you got your personal residence now. And so that's by selling the condo and then buying that. You, you had some equity above and beyond what your loan was to go buy that other property. And then you got this free, this free and clear rental and then another one that has a, a loan on it. And so wh- where did, where did y'all go from there? Cause obviously now you've got, I guess, four properties as of the time we're recording this, like where did you decide to go from there?
1: Well, you know uh, it, it, it was tough uh, Chad because our philosophy was like, you know, black, married, and debt-free, you know, that's our thing, and paying off, and, and, but it was something happened when we bought that second house, you know, my wife looked around the house, she said, this is nice, and at this point, our mentality was, we're gonna pay these off, and my wife looked around, she said, this is nice, but the renter's gonna pay this one off, and then we both looked at each other, and I was like, you know what? I like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we kind of shrugged that whole, we have to pay off everything, and no mortgages, and no this, we kind of shrugged that off, and said, "Let's be smart about this thing. Let's let that renter pay this off, you know." So going forward, we knew we we're going to just get loans, and the, the return we're going to make sure that the return is good and sufficient, and we're gonna we're gonna just keep turning this thing around and using the cash flow to buy more properties. And so that was our mindset going into our third property. And uh, I had listened to a, uh, a podcast. I forget where it was, but it was a gentleman who talked about how he invested in Montgomery. Montgomery, Alabama And I was like, hmm And so I began to do research In that area Just like I did in Greensboro And, and I realized Wow, the taxes were low uh, You know Different things The return on investment was good It's not a high equity area Where the homes don't really gain value But the cash It was a good cash flow I was like, you know what Let's try there but So we began to run numbers and, and, and do that And in 2021 We took Literally copied and pasted our same uh, strategy for buying our first house, contacting the agent, the agent you know, vetting the agent, and, and the agent knows uh, property manager, and the property manager knows. We, we literally copied and pasted that that uh, procedure and did the same thing in, in Montgomery. We bought our first house in March of 2021 uh, in Montgomery, which is house number, uh, Vesta property number three, and then we rinsed and repeat and did it again in July. And so we've bought two this year in Montgomery and uh, it's been good so far.
0: So I'm going to put a link y'all. I love your YouTube channel. I think people will check it out. You showed a, a kind of a vlog of both of those purchases where you walked through them and showed your whole journey on the plane from California there. So uh, for people who are interested in seeing like the actual houses, I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I, I just, I think I just want to point out something that I hope a lot of people get from this. I, I'm just impressed by and this is, this is a compliment, by the way, the simplicity of the execution of your plan. Like, I just, I, I think, it, you know, sometimes we, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, you start doing a good thing that works, and you're like, well, you know, I'm gonna go try this other thing that I heard on a podcast. And like, I, I'm just impressed that you, from the very beginning, like from the debt snowball to the side hustles to the, you know, buying the, getting the HELOC and buying these properties, and you just identified some things that worked single family house, turnkey get a good loan on it, make sure the rent makes sense. Like it was like just some core fundamentals. Yeah. And then you didn't try to like stray from that. You just said, let's just repeat that thing. And I don't, I mean, did that, that come to, was that kind of approach of strategy, anything deliberate? I mean, I'm just wondering if how that kind of, cause it's very obvious from my looking in on it, that that was a, a core part of what your success was just sticking to those fundamentals.
1: Yeah, Chad, it's just, once again, I have to give kudos to my wife, you know, because, uh, you see all these different when you say real estate investing, that's such a broad term. I mean, you have wholesaling, you have fix and flip, you have so many strategies that we said, well, what strategy do we feel comfortable with? You know, what strategy is gonna make us less stressed? And we just went from there. You know, like I said, my wife, she's a security seeker. She she wants she wants to take risk, but calculated risk. And this seemed our strategy seemed very calculated, seemed very simple. Uh, We saw others that had been successful doing it. And so we said, you know, this, of all the things we see that you can kind of just have your head spinning as far as real estate investing, this seems like the most realistic for us. So it fit our personalities. And I think that that was key. And, uh, you know, we may do some more, you know, get a property that maybe needs more work down the road. But I think in order to set yourself up for success, you need to start small and that worked for us and that gave us a confidence that we could do it again similar to paying off your smallest debt you know man I can pay off this $300 credit card that means I can spawn that into more and bigger and so I think just start off small uh, worked well for us and I'm sure it will work you know for others
0: Yeah, and what people, I don't want to get the wrong idea about it either, is that when you start simple and you start small, there's a book that I really like called Building Wealth One House at a Time by John Schaub. So I don't know if you've checked that one out before, but I talk about it a lot on the podcast because it just, it's like using exactly what y'all are doing right now. One or two deals a year, stable, keep on compounding. If you, you wake up 10 years later and you've got this little empire of properties, that you know, you can do a ton with five or ten rental properties. Like that, that can be a game changer if that's what you want to do. Even two properties, two or three properties. That's so I just I just uh, I love that you're y'all are demonstrating that that you you know we shared all you shared all the details behind the scenes, how that works. And it's not just the real estate, it's the personal finance stuff, it's a communication with your spouse, like all of these things kind of work together and you can, you can just get a strategy that works for you. That was the key that I just heard there is that you, you, can't, you can't do a work for Chad or for Marcus. Like you got to find a strategy that works for you in your life. It takes a little yeah. bit of awareness, a little bit of thoughtfulness, communication to, to figure that one out. Yeah, that's so true,
1: Chad. I mean, we talk about it often that I could do exactly what Chad did, work, you know, verbatim. But the thing of it is, is Chad did it at this time. Right. You can do exactly what Marcus and Shira did, but Marcus and Shire bought a house in 2009, you know, that, you know, like, so you can't just carbon copy, you know, because you have to account for time where the market is at this moment, where this is. And so you have to just kind of take uh, principles from others and then implement it to your strategy. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. But trying to just do it exactly like that person, a lot of times it's going to cause frustration down the line. you to be like, man, it's not working out. All right, I just, I'm not, it didn't work for me, you know, right. whereas if you were to able to take the principles from Chad's story or the principles from Marcus's story, okay, now how does that, let me filter it into my life and my lifestyle. I think if people do that, they'll be more
0: successful. Well said. Yeah. And that, sometimes that's the part that you can't read in a book or get on a podcast. You know, you can get the principles, like the principles are there, the yeah. story's there. But like that translation, it's almost like translating it from English to Spanish, you know, like right. that, the, the word, the, the, they're both there, but you got to, you got to translate that to your life. Like, how's this going to work for, for Marcus? How's this right. going to work for Chad? And that's, that takes a little bit of thoughtfulness, you know, it takes some, yeah. some, some thinking, some trial and error, some experimentation like y'all did, but yeah. that's, that's the key, right? Absolutely.
1: I totally agree with that. Very true.
0: So th- this has been awesome. Marcus really appreciate the details you're sharing and the example um, I, I think a couple couple last questions. One is like just you know where you are right now like, let's just talk about like you know you've been on this journey financially you know paying off debt and now you're building passive income streams and side hustles like you know what 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 do you all, when you and Shira talk about the next five years like what what do you what's, what's down the road for you guys?
1: Well we, we, we talk about it often and we meet off often uh, to talk about the future. Um, for us we, we like to say lucky number 13 if we can get you know use this same, strategy we've been using and get to our 13th property we'll be able to decide if we want to continue working our w-2 jobs or we can you know kind of stop at that point and 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 really we can use that cash flow from those properties to get us to the age where we're able to draw from our other investments you know retirement accounts 401s, and things like that so we really have more options And, and for me and for shira that's what it's all about is options, and so we're setting ourselves up now so that uh, we can have options in the near future, and so that's kind of where we see ourselves, you know, rinsing repeat, and trying to scale uh, the real estate investing side until we can get to our 13th property. And uh, for us, we're at the point now where it's starting to scale itself, where the cash flow from the, the homes that we have currently will pay for the next one, and so on and so forth. And so we're excited about that. So that's kind of our five year plan, I guess you could say.
0: It's a beautiful thing. When that, when it starts snowballing like that, it's kind of like the debt snowball that y'all did on the debt. I mean, this mm-hmm. income starts snowballing too. And so you get, wow. you know, what, what 300 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. And it turns, you get four of those and it turns into a couple thousand a month. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, wait a minute. I got 20, 30,000 bucks in the bank that didn't yeah. come from my job. You know, this stuff came from my, so then now you got down payment for the next property. So all that's, right. that's beautiful. When that starts happening and it's, I don't. I mean, I'll be, you know, curious to follow along with your your story, but I'm just, I'm willing to bet that the, it's going to start accelerating. You know, the things, the success. If you keep keep working that plan, the next step, and then the next step, you know, just follow that plan. It's going to go a lot faster as you learn more and you you get more success. You you get more knowledge in your head and more team around you. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Uh, Chad. That's the goal, man, and we hope that, like you said, hopefully it starts to accelerate uh, faster. You know, so that's that's definitely the plan.
0: Well done. Well, I'm impressed. And I, just my final question, this is what I ask all our guests. Is th- this is a show about real estate investing, but also about financial independence. And people are going to be at all sorts of different stages of the journey to financial independence. But in particular, the people who are just kind of getting started, maybe they're still in debt, maybe they're you know just kind of looking for that first rental property. I'm wondering if you have any advice for them from just from a financial independence standpoint, any, any final tip you can give them, them that'll help them on their journey?
1: Yeah, uh, I think a good, piece of advice is to one, if you haven't started, go ahead and get started Where, wherever, wherever that is. If that's, uh, you know, getting your first deal, uh, real estate deal, or if that is you are wanting to just whatever your goal is, you, you, you've done the research, go ahead and, and, and get started, you know, because there's some things that you won't, you can't read in a book. There's some things you can't, you know, hear in a podcast, some things you'll learn as you go and that's one thing that uh, that i've realized you know throughout you know all the things that we've endeavored to do also to stay consistent uh, there's this uh, my wife references uh, this book 3 feet from gold or I, I believe it's 3 feet from gold where it's yeah foot from gold or but but it speaks to someone mining for gold and mining and mining and getting tired and just quitting and they were right there, you know. So I say just stay consistent because you you're 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 closer than you think you are. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it's like man, it's, you know, when am I when am I gonna get there? When am I gonna get there? But stay consistent and, and you'll definitely get there in the end.